yeah i wouldn't say any judd apatow movie is like sexy no <laughs> it's not what i'm expecting but even when we okay that's fair that was a bad point yeah was it, was it like i just where's the porn like why isn't this porn? yeah why isn't this porn <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Cinema Very Gay, the podcast where we talk about the full spectrum of LGBTQIA movies. The good, the bad, the offensive, the Deborah missing. I am your host, Kevin, with my co-host, Jake, and this week we are talking about bros. Don't leave, don't cry, you're just another boy caught in the Hi everyone, welcome to Cinema Very Gay, I'm Jake, this is Kevin, and this week we are talking about bros. That's right. The Billy Eichner, Judd Apatow adjacent comedy. Groundbreaking rom-com, and in that spirit, before we get too much into it, a a quick summary of bros for you to read. Billy Eichner has done it. It's the movie audiences all over the world have been waiting for. The most important film to be released by a Hollywood studio this millennium. The first ever movie about two white cis gay men finding love against all odds. That's right, it's bros. It's the brainchild of Billy Eichner and his co-writer Nicholas Stoller, who might have taken tips on directing gay sex scenes from Ang Lee. <laughs> oh, that's... Uh, and is backed by producer Judd Apatow. We follow neurotic podcast host... Uh, J- oh, sorry, uh, Bobby, played by... Oh, it's supposed to be you. Oh, me, okay. Sorry, I didn't get that. It's okay. Uh, played by Billy Eichner as he swings way out of his league in terms of emotional intelligence in pursuit of cutie patootie Aaron, played by Luke McFarlane. As expected, Bobby's insecurity gets in the way of romantic and professional success as he's trying to open the perfect queer history museum exhibit. In the end, though, Bobby somehow wins Aaron's heart and sings him a nice country song. True love requires some compromising, even for a couple of bros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro. Okay, so in that summary, you alluded to some of the marketing around the movie, yeah. right? And I looked a little bit into this, but I mostly fell down a rabbit hole of press interviews with Billy yeah. Eichner and Luke McFarlane. And they're actually cute together. They... They have good chemistry even outside of the movie. Yeah, so I, mean, I ended up watching a bunch of those. But what was going on with the... I mean, the fact is that Bros was the first gay rom-com where the rom-com is centered on a gay relationship and released by a, a major Hollywood studio. In, so, into theaters, right? Into theaters. So like Fire Island was only was dumped on Hulu. Right. right? So there are like a lot of qualifiers for what it is the first to actually be doing mm-hmm. and in some sense we look at this and it's like this is not i think that's why i was what i was joking about like it's not that groundbreaking mm-hmm. but in a lot of the press and like a lot of the marketing leading up to the release and even afterwards billy eichner was coming across as like touting this as some ultimate sign of progress mm-hmm. and as like the greatest thing that has ever happened in cinema history i'm being hyperbolic but he it it just seemed like he was blowing it way out of proportion 
And I think there was just a lot of backlash for it's like, yes, it is the first gay rom-com backed by studio released in the theaters. But there are so many other like better, more important queer stories. And even like, it's really, it's easy to like go into this ready to rag on it because of sort of how ridiculous Billy Eichner came across in a lot of the interviews. But that said, like, it also does have a heart. And, like, Luke McFarlane, like we talked about last week, is really sweet. At the core, like, you can tell Billy Eichner and um, Nick uh, Nick Stoller, who wrote it with him, um, like, do care about this. And, like, are really just passionate about this movie. So I can't begrudge that. I just think it, it got a little, like, clickbaity headline yeah um, buzz that billy eichner is going like shooting way too high with what this movie's actually doing yeah i didn't i guess i didn't come across I, I i heard of that and i didn't go too deep a dive into that but i did see that it did not do well at the box office mm-hmm. or it's or underperformed it only made made like 4.8 million opening weekend which i think it was projected to make between eight and ten mm-hmm. and I think Billy Eichner also was like, this is straight people's fault, which I don't think that's... That's, yeah. That's I, did you see this movie in theaters? I did not. I did. Oh, yeah. I I was just going to wait for it to come on streaming because I don't like going to movie theaters that much anymore. Right, <laughs> which, in this post-pandemic world, I'm just like, I don't need to go to movie theaters. I'm fine. We have a giant TV in our apartment. It's fine. We went to a movie theater with you yesterday. And saw a movie <laughs> that was a 4K restoration of a film from the 19... 19- 60s there so it is. there it is uh we're not really supporting new film true fair yeah i'd forgotten about like he said it's straight people's fault for not seeing it it's probably a like, lot of it i mean part of it's probably because it is like i don't see a ton of straight people necessarily going to see this in the opening weekend but also no. like movies that don't star huge stars or are not tentpole franchises Right. are going to struggle in theaters anyway, especially if they get... I, I assume this got a wide... Like, this got a wide release. I think so. So, yeah. uh, you know, a movie that has an expectation of being, like, a smaller indie film, it doesn't matter as much if it underperforms mm-hmm. opening weekend, but I think there are probably multiple factors that contributed to it not performing super well. Yeah. And I think if we just look at the box office over the past year... It's just been lower in general anyway, right? Yeah. Like, things right have now, not been making good money. Yeah, right now in December when we're recording this, mm-hmm. except for, like, Black Panther, ticket sales are terrible right now. Yeah. They're, like, tanking. So it's not surprising that, like, this wasn't going to be as big as they projected. Because, like, also realistically, like, who is who is the audience that is going to see this in the theater really quickly? It's, like, gay men that live in cities Mm -hmm. and their friends and then maybe some other groups like the straight girls and that want to go see it the woo girls the woo girls yeah that just love gay people gay people are my jam yeah what is that is that this movie what was that that was something we watched recently did we forget about that when we recorded our christmas episode was that one of the i think so okay yeah i think so uh, oh no 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 it was bros okay thank you yeah, yeah yeah okay it's when he when they meet um his old hockey oh, right right right, right his yeah. fiance okay she's gay gay guys are my jam so what did you th- what did you think of this movie right. not just 
be, besides the marketing yeah. and the paratextual stuff. So I we we went in the first time I saw it, came out of the theater, and I was pretty high on it. And I don't think it was great. I think my IMDb rating, if anyone cares, was a seven. I watched it again before recording this, and it did not hold up. And maybe it's because I was just like coming into it maybe a little bit more critically mm-hmm. and knowing what was going to happen in the movie, I did not like it as much. And I, w- I found it much more easier to latch onto some of the, the faults. So I think on the whole, I'm, I'm positive about this, mm-hmm. but it's like a solid six mm-hmm. out of 10. Like it's, it's good. It's not great. And I think it could have been great thinking of like other Judd Apatow movies that he's directed and produced that I think are really great rom-coms. But I was very happy that this this movie's like, what, like an hour 40-something? Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I wasn't sort of champing at the bit to watch this is because when I think Judd Apatow, and I knew it was a Judd Apatow production, I'm like, mm-hmm. this is going to be so long. <laughs> yeah. And the movie, yeah. it was short enough, and it moved at a good pace. So I appreciated that. Yeah. But the problem that I have is like, even with Judd Apatow movies, I kept going back to Knocked Up when I was thinking of this as like what I was expecting, mm-hmm. where there are like a lot of side characters, but it is at its like heart, a really raunchy, funny movie. Mm-hmm. And like the romance is nice, but it's not central to that. Or like thinking of 40 year old virgin, mm-hmm. the romance was nice, but that wasn't the like comedic core of the movie Mm -hmm. like there were other things going on and this was just like it felt very more generic rom-com we're just gonna do rom-com but make it gay yeah and might have been the point of the movie i guess yeah but then i just have a problem i i guess like it's for what it could have been like it isn't that sexy it isn't that funny it isn't that raunchy yeah but like a judd apatow movie like even Trainwreck with Amy Schumer and Bill Hader, they were funny and they they were, I guess it was a little bit raunchier, but... Yeah, I wouldn't say any Judd Apatow movie is, like, sexy. No. <laughs> it's not what I'm expecting. But even when we... Okay, that's fair. That was a bad point. Yeah. Was it, was it like, I just, where's the porn? Like, why isn't this porn? Yeah, why isn't this porn? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. I think it just, like... For what it could have been as a comedy, I didn't laugh enough. And like knowing how deep Judd Apatow's movies can get into their characters and like all the other issues that sort of get touched on in this movie, but don't really get very much care or consideration. Like it just sort of fell flat in a lot of ways. That's that's where that's that's where I stand. Plus we can we'll talk about Bobby and Aaron as a couple. I, I, I think this, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it seems like one of your criticisms is that it doesn't like go deep enough on some of these issues that it touches upon. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that reading, after I watched the movie, I read a couple reviews and a couple negative reviews, and I think other people took issue with that, where they were saying that it's bringing up these ideas about representation and all of these other things that are relevant to the gay community and it doesn't go deep enough on that those mm-hmm. but watching the movie i it, that didn't really bother me because i felt like the th- 
thrust of the movie was that Billy Eichner, who I liked in this, was too in his own head about his cynicism about gay culture. And so in the process of being cynical and very like prolix and good at talking about gay issues, he was using it as a front to not engage on an emotional level with people. So as the, so as the, the movie went on, he, he became less cynical. The like layers of just theory and history sort of peeled back and he was able to be like more of a human one-on-one with Aaron. And so that didn't bother me that much because I felt like the point of him being always talking about gay issues was because he was supposed to be annoying. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. like I, it worked, that worked for me because like, if I met someone and all they wanted to do was just like harp about like how awful gay culture, like he made some good points. And I, I, I that's where a lot of the humor I think came from. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I laughed a bunch at points mm-hmm. he was making about like, I mean, we can go into the, like the Hallmark video stuff and mm-hmm. how he, you know, doesn't like that straight guys play gay bummer characters mm-hmm. and movies and stuff like that. And like, I, I thought it was funny, but it's also like if someone just talks about that stuff all the time, it's kind of exhausting. Yes. And so he is an exhausting person. Yeah. yeah. And, he's, and I think he did a much better job of being endearing and exhausting at the same time than Joel Kim Booster did in Fire Island. I thought he, I, I thought his yeah. acting skills were much better honed to finding that balance between being annoying and being compelling. <laughs> the writing of the movie is also like a magnitude better than fire island yes it is a lot the screenplay overall is a lot stronger it is uh more well thought out it moves at a better pace it doesn't really have a i mean it's it's different from fire island in this respect it doesn't really have a villain it's more just about like the characters interacting with one another it's like a man versus self yeah i i i hear the the read on bobby that his his own like insecurities and like his interpretations of gay culture and like the gay community and like his critiques of that are getting in the way of him finding romance and finding professional success. Cause he's having such a hard time with the museum getting it going. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't, I don't buy the like actual conclusion of the movie where there was something endearing inherently about him that Aaron fell in love with. So you, so you I just don't, don't buy see, the, the main pairing. I don't think so. I I just don't I, I saw him as like neurotic, exhausting, I get it. But there were very few times, like for the first half of the movie, like he is always tagging on some little thing that he says in like every interaction to Aaron, um, of like, okay, but why didn't you text me this one time? Or like, okay, but now why'd you say that? Oh, we can do this, but you wouldn't really like that. Like, I see what you like. Like, you don't like me. That's like, what does what is Aaron seeing in this guy? I get the point is that like he's he he is attracted to him and he can like see the good in him. I didn't really see that too much. I was having a hard time with that. Okay, that's fair. I think I bought it. I think I think Luke McFarlane did a lot of work selling it with mm-hmm. his performance. Actually, I think mm-hmm. maybe on paper it might not have sounded like a good match between these two mm-hmm. but there are I, I think his performance sort of sold that he was very like amused by bobby i i really liked the and i, I think this sort of speaks to their 
connection and chemistry. There's that one scene where Aaron knows how to get a rise out of Bobby and he likes doing that. So there's that one scene where he said his favorite movie was The Hangover, even though it's not, but he Mm -hmm. just knew that that was going to drive Bobby crazy. And so Mm -hmm. he just got to like laugh at Bobby for a little while. Yeah. And I thought that was, I thought that was a cute scene and I thought that spoke to why they kind of like each other because they like why it's a good foundation for a relationship because they sort of amuse one another they don't necessarily connect on like a deep emotional level right away but that's like the point of the movie is that they are both incapable of connecting on a deep emotional level and so the initial meet cute Mm. is more about them needling each other or it's not cute I don't know. I, I enjoyed the PSA about how their initial meet cute was like a PSA about how gay people are actually very stupid. We just have good marketing. <laughs> and I was like, that's I was like, this is very, this is actually very important. <laughs> I just, I, I hear that. And it just, I don't know, like the meet cute. They, so they meet in a club, which like, why is Bobby in which this club? Aaron, at what the, are you doing? There? Aaron at the club. That's me when I get too drunk, just like talking and then you look away and then I'm and gone. you're gone yeah, yeah. And i'm gone <laughs> but it wasn't that he was just talking it was that he was just like saying negative things mm-hmm. and then he kept coming back to him and be like why'd you walk away he's like what do you mean i would have been so annoyed if that was the interaction i i just i don't i don't know i, I, I get part, it i get that they're like i think part of this too maybe you just aren't as attracted to annoying people as i am <laughs> maybe but i the sort of annoying asshole thing sort of works for me mm-hmm. okay so maybe that's partially where i'm coming from i i believe that but i will say it does get exhausting very quickly and it doesn't normally blossom into like a healthy relationship it's no because it's like what but it could the thing that initially attracted bobby to aaron was literally that he was hot which is fine because mm-hmm. you're at a club and he's hot and he has a shirt off but then, like, he doesn't get to know much about Aaron for a while. Like, they try to hang out or date a little bit, but they, he doesn't really, like, ask him questions about him. Like, he's not actually trying to get to know him. Mm-hmm. He's just, like, still using him as a sounding board. And it just... And maybe that was the intention of, like, he doesn't know how to date or, like, get to know someone because he's just... This is who he is. He's just going to be exhausting. I it was just, that... like, frustrating because... The, the screenplay gave Aaron like a lot of depth and like Luke did a Luke McFarlane did a good job of like bringing in a lot of layers and mm-hmm. there's like insecurity there and there's family issues and there's internalized homophobia and there's like hookup culture and like sex culture. And it's like, there's a lot of things being said that could have made their romance more interesting or like their courtship more interesting. But it was just like Bobby complaining to Aaron and me going, what, is keeping Aaron coming back to this because every interaction seems to be annoying to me because that he even invites him to the little mini orgy or like mm-hmm. this couple nearby wants to fuck. You want to come? I thought the editing of that scene was funny. And they're actually. like, he's like, huh, maybe. And then they're like kissing on the couch. Yeah. But then there's like two guys. There was a good, I, I, I think I've complained about this several times on this podcast already where I, the lack, and I will not say, I, I won't say this movie had great comedy editing or mm-hmm. directing or stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. it didn't use the camera in a super interesting way or like cuts in a super interesting way. Cause like, like that's like a Judd Apatow movie. Judd Apatow movie. Yeah. I, and I will say, I didn't find this as like annoyingly um, like improv as 
Judd Apatow mm-hmm. movies, like it actually had some like tight jokes in it, which I liked. And I I really liked that cut where Bobby is like going back into his building because he doesn't want to go to the hookup. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out and like there's this swell of music and he's like, wait. And you think that it's going to be them going up to Bobby's room to have like Mm-hmm. sex between the two of them and then just hard cuts to the, yeah. the orgy yeah <laughs> i thought that was funny. They're like they're kissing like oh nice yeah and then zoom out there's two other guys there yeah <laughs> on, on below the camera so that was actually a good that was a good example of using an edit to make a joke which you don't I, normally see in a giant yeah, movie that's true and that was that's i'll get i'll give you that i'll give you that yeah i just i wish it had gone deeper into some of these issues instead of sort of like dancing around it it just it didn't feel like an actual indictment on anybody or like interesting commentary on anybody yeah i don't buy that bobby learned anything and then i guess my overall thing is i guess i didn't feel the need for the movie to be Mm. deeper than it was i Mm -hmm. felt like i came in thinking that whatever bobby was saying was just character work and that Mm -hmm. it wasn't setting up anything but how this relationship's going to work out Mm -hmm. and i thought the relationship worked out in a satisfying way but do we want to do you want to take a quick break and talk about like the funny stuff or whether this was funny yes because that's i mean it's a romantic comedy like that's partially we got the the wrong let's do the con yeah okay so the romantic aspect of this movie worked for me and it seems like it didn't quite work for you. Um, the comedy aspect, I, you know, it wasn't the funniest thing ever, but I laughed quite a bit. And I thought it had some good jokes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think this is the best movie ever, but meeting it on its own terms for what it was trying to do, mm-hmm. I liked it. And I thought it was funny and thoughtful enough in enough of its jokes where I wouldn't dismiss this as a failure in any, sure. in any respect. I I did appreciate a lot of the the side characters, mm-hmm. especially the um, the council that's running the I museum. Love... The the six of yeah. them that it's just like everyone is representing some aspect of the queer community. Yeah, um, they, they did a great job. The, those characters all did a great job of bickering amongst one yes. another, but still showing affection for one another. Yeah. and I liked all of their dynamics. The, the way they're fighting for like, what is this last exhibit going to be about yeah. in the museum and. <laughs> He wants someone wants it to be about bisexual history. Yeah, <laughs> someone wants it to be about trans activists. Someone wants lesbians that fought in the Civil War. Didn't she say like four hundred lesbians? Oh yeah, fought in the Civil War. <laughs> Where's the museum for them? You know the blue whale hanging in the Museum of Natural History. Yes. What about that? But instead of the blue whale, it's a lesbian. Oh no. Yeah. Uh-uh. Okay. Well. Yeah, we can't do that. I know. I just thought all the. I thought all the bickering was really, um, like, to the extent that this movie is about, like, character work and building jokes from character work, mm-hmm. I thought those scenes were really well realized, yeah. just because they were, like, good examples of s- sort of 
infighting that happens in the queer community, but made it funny. Like, What if the final exhibit was a recreation of a queer wedding? I like that. Okay, that I don't have. Tomorrow, that is so That's sweet. Great. I love that. And people can come and register for wedding gifts here. You're gonna write that. Oh my God, and no! That is old fashioned heteronormative nonsense. We need to get people to rethink history through a queer prism, not comfort them with another gay wedding, all right? It's a museum, it's not Shit's Creek. Oh, I like but Shit's I, Creek. I love Shit's Creek. That show has oh, layers. Right. Everyone loves Shit's Creek. Great, okay. That's who you remind me of, Eugene Levy. Yes! You, yeah. You've been saying that one line from the non-binary yeah. character a lot. I hear you. I, I want you to know that I see you. I hear you. I'm holding space for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. I like I like T.S. Madison in the yeah, she was really she was good. Funny. <laughs> um, she was funny. Or there's the other, um, the young one, the Gen Zer, mm -hmm. oh, who was yeah. just like always filming, like catches Bobby saying something towards him. He's like, oh, are you recording this? He's like, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's actually uh, really important. It's important to record everything. You everything should be streamed. You taught me that. You yeah, taught, you taught me that. <laughs> I like that. And I, I like the joke at the beginning where, at the end of the day, this is a movie that's a rom-com between two cis white guys. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It. I think... I do think we and we talked about this before. Like, it's a good step towards something else because mm -hmm. I mean, we talked about milk. Like, when we did the milk episode, there, it probably wouldn't have gotten made if they had cast all gay actors in the leads. Right. It's like, who would that have been? Yeah. yeah. But this movie casts all gay actors, even in the straight leads. Like Guillermo Diaz is in this movie, mm -hmm. and he plays a straight guy. But like, I love seeing Guillermo, I love Guillermo Diaz. I love seeing him and stuff. It's fun. So like, if you think about it as sort of a step like we got milk and we could only make that movie if we cast all straight guys but now we have bros where we can cast all gay guys mm -hmm. and have and we can include more marginalized people in it and have them be like fun characters it's a good step and billy eichner clearly is aware that it's a step like the movie begins with a joke about him winning an award for best like cis white guy, cis white, <laughs> cis white gay of the year, cis white gay of the year. <laughs> Kristen Chenoweth I, I, as as gay pride. I loved Kristen Chenoweth Stonewall. Stonewall, yeah, <laughs> that was really funny actually. And that that was a that was a good way to start the movie because I feel like if you get off on the wrong foot with me as far as a comedy, I'm gonna be a little more hesitant to laugh yeah. as it goes on. But the the Stonewall hat I thought was a, a great game. It was a level of self awareness. It that... was the the Stonewall hat and then the. There's a running gag in this movie about a Hallmark Channel knockoff. <laughs> Fantastic. And the titles that they come up with are just so funny to me. I mm -hmm. loved, and I think the first one was the um, bisexual Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. And it was Christmas with either. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. My favorite was still the um, the Holly Polly Christmas. Holly Polly Christmas is great. And I, like, I love you, all seven of you. <laughs> Home Alone, but with Sarah Paulson. That's another one. And the, Billy Eichner's delivery is great with that because he's just like seeing a bunch of the poster. He's like, Home uh -huh. Alone with Sarah Paulson. I'm like, oh my God. And like, does it need to get deeper than that about like tokenism? Or like, you think about like some of my favorite comedies are they have cutting jokes, but they're not like super deep. Blazing Saddles sure. doesn't get maudlin and go into its themes in like a really heavy-handed way. It's just a ridiculous movie and it's making fun of stuff through being ridiculous. And yeah. so I I don't necessarily need it to get super deep even mm -hmm. though this movie does sort that. of 
have more of an emotional core than like a like Blazing Saddles is not. No, there's no yeah. one's crying in that movie. <laughs> there's no tears. No. So then I I do hear that, and I think the times when the comedy works well is when the screenplay says like this is just how we're going to deal with this is through comedy and just acknowledge it and move on but then you open up doors that i'm thinking of like when bobby walks into the bathroom and aaron's like injecting testosterone Mm -hmm. into himself i'm like oh we're gonna go deeper into body image Mm -hmm. and like the insecurities that luke mcfarland might have with his own body and how he feels about himself but we we don't we don't do that it's yeah. like, oh, then why, why'd you put that? That didn't need to be there. Yeah. Well, it did. And it, it set up the gag later where Billy Eichner takes um, yeah, steroids. testosterone. But also that's not what happens when you inject a little bit of testosterone into you. You don't he, he have took, like... He took steroids, though. Isn't that different? Those are different, right? It, yeah. Testosterone well, and steroids. Testosterone is a steroid. That's no, a hormone. Come on, you're, the science, a steroid you're hormone. the science person. He gets when he roid rages at the museum. Yeah. That's kind of funny. And I actually liked the I, I liked the gag where he went up to that guy and did like the bro voice. The bro, yeah. And then he Hey bro. And then later the guy there like after they have sex, he's like, That was fun. Yeah. And the guy's like, What? Wow. <laughs> and Billy Actor's just kinda of like, It kinda of worked, right? <laughs> and the guy's like, Yeah, but like, Yeah, like, but you lied. You, yeah, and I don't know. I thought that was a fun gag. Like there was so much Judd Apatow comedy just does not have like setup and payoff, and so I appreciated that. Where it's just because it's just like people mm. improving for like a scene, and then we move on to the next scene. And mm-hmm. so I at least appreciated that it like had some sort of setup and payoff in it. But then the that scene with the the gym bro that he sleeps with didn't really. I mean, that didn't seem like payoff for me because he's like, it's towards the end of the movie, and he's still with the same insecurities and like still not learning anything mm-hmm. and it's like w- i i wanted like some acknowledgement that like this is clearly stemming from maybe i'm projecting from myself and talk to my therapist about it but it seemed like it's clearly stemming from his own like body image mm-hmm. because he asked the guy like would you still have been attracted to me even if i didn't have that voice and he was like well yeah but not now yeah <laughs> Like, get the fuck out. But then we, we don't really do that. So then it just leaves me feeling like was the moral that he needed to learn that tall, able-bodied, cis white men can be attractive. We didn't, But we didn't really touch it. I, I, I didn't, I couldn't tell, like, if we're indicting that mindset of, like, assuming that a hot person is going to be stupid or not attracted to someone who doesn't look like them. I think it was that. And I think kind of comparing this to fire island again i appreciated that the movie didn't try to make billy eichner seem like a troll like it, the movie was it, it had this nuance where it's like yes he's attractive but he just doesn't fit into this like muscly gym bro yeah uh subculture in the gay community and so he feels insecure that he is with someone who's like in that subculture and he has these preconceived right. notions about that and what that means and how people who are in that subculture wouldn't be attracted to someone outside of it. Yeah. I'm not saying it was like the most well thought out scene ever, but it, it contributed to the movie in the sense that it showed him that he was just kind of projecting mm-hmm. onto, like it wasn't, it's not just Aaron. Like right. this, this sub, the subculture is not full of the stereotypes that he thinks that they are. Yeah. So I do appreciate that. I do appreciate that. Yeah. And you're, you're right. It, it is 
different than Fire Island in that Bobby is not just like hateful and like mean towards other people. Whereas like Joel Kim Booster's character was just like rude. Yeah. It's like unfriendly. Yeah. And you see that with the people at the museum too. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. fighting and they snip at one another, and, but they also clearly, and part of it might just be the acting. I don't know. Like I think mm-hmm. the acting overall in this movie with all of the yeah. characters was a lot better yeah, definitely. Um, than Fire Island. And so they were able to convey something that's probably difficult to convey, which is like a love hate relationship with people. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I bought it a lot more in this movie. Yeah. And even, I agree. even the people who are, mean there's like an affection for him in the making of the movie as opposed to fire island where the movie clearly just like blanket hated certain just characters like hates fire yeah. island but also kind of loves fire island yeah that was it was yeah. a mess yeah that was a mess but i i think um going back to funny things in this i, I loved deborah messing as mm-hmm. deborah messing it's deborah messing you gays it's Deborah messing you gays. Oh boy, she had a nose ring. Disgusting. Oh boy. She She's probably. Been... I wonder if she. I don't know if she like wrote that monologue or gave Billy right. Eichner the idea or something, but it seemed like that was something she wanted to. I can imagine her being like, "I want to, I want to lecture yeah. all the gays right now right. about this." I love that. Yeah, because she has. What's the What's the monologue about? It's like I my entire career I have been getting unsolicited advice for dating questions about dating from gay men. Mm-hmm. It's like, I am not grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. It's like, I'm going to go. I am. My sitter is going to be done in an hour. I'm just going to leave. Oh yeah. And the, it's like, then all the people... lesbians have their shit together. Yeah. The, the lesbian who uh, is part of the museum committee is there. And Billy uh, Eichner's like, I'll, sh- I'll show you out. And she's like, no, I want her. No, I want her. <laughs> Yes, the lesbians and then have their shit together. She, she comes back at the end. She wants to like actually talk to him. And she's like coming around. She's like, oh, I see what you're coming from. Like, Not now, Deborah Bessing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I laughed a good amount in this, and so I'm not. I'm, I I thought it was. I, break, I thought anyway, it was I won't good. Be it was good. I I don't think it failed in being what it wanted to be, and I don't think it from a cultural standpoint is like a bad step. No. And I think one, one aspect that did really work that I appreciated also about the editing of the movie was there was like a, a shared reverence, like a commonality between everyone in the community is like a shared reverence for history and for the activists and fighters that came before. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to like go to like see Aaron going to the museum and like, you got that nice montage of famous queer activists mm-hmm. or at the very end, like the last shot, almost the last shot is like the spiraling image of all of the, mm-hmm. like those same pictures on the ceiling. That was like nice to me. Yeah. And it, it works in the context of the movie. It's not like it, there's the entire, the, I mean, the two plots of this movie are the museum and the relationship with Aaron. And so mm-hmm. it's not like, shoehorned into the movie it's actually yeah. pretty well integrated and they even get some like funny gags out of it like I, amy schumer is and that's another yeah, setup I'm like, lesbian <laughs> first lady eleanor <laughs> roosevelt i thought that was funny uh i thought the history stuff it is sort of like queer history 101 it's not like trying to dig that deep i was right. surprised that they never brought up james buchanan 
Like they kept talking about Lincoln mm-hmm. being gay. Lincoln, and I was like, yeah. there's more evidence that James Buchanan was gay. Why aren't we mentioning him? I, I can't answer that. Yeah. So, but that just never came up. But it, it's also, a, I, I saw in one of the interviews I watched with Luke McFarlane and um, Billy Eichner, he talks about how it is kind of weird that there's no queer history museum and that mm-hmm. he wanted to sort of get that idea out into the world. And I'm not saying that he brought this out, but apparently there is going to be one. So in, like New York early, in the early stages. I'm not sure where it's going to be, um, but he said there's one. I, there are international ones. There's apparently one in Berlin and there's mm-hmm. one somewhere else um, in continental Europe. But uh, the United States right now doesn't have one that's open, oh. which is interesting. I guess I like knew that, but didn't really consider it. That's too bad. Yeah. And if, if not one, too bad that one's being created. Like, yeah. That's good. And I'm sure if like now that one's being created, the fighting that's going to go on about representation in that is going to look a lot like those board room scenes. Uh-huh. It's going to be a giant mess. Uh-huh. <laughs> that could be, a, honestly, that could be a movie on its own. J- just the museum. Opening a museum. Where it's just a bunch of queer people who finally have a seat at the table realizing that now they have to like share power with all the other subcultures in the queer community and just going at one another like that could be that could be that could be a really fun movie that could be a spin uh, like a spin-off miniseries yeah the six of them running Mm -hmm. the museum i also i bo and yang also showed up in this too Mm -hmm. as um eccentric billionaire eccentric billionaire (laughs) yeah and so his addition to the the museum was the 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 coaster of trauma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was great. He's like, "You've made it to the Obama administration." Oh yeah, <laughs> but what's around the corner? <laughs> Stuff like that. I don't know. I, I, I thought the jokes were well thought out at the end. They they built on things that happened earlier in the movie, so it came back, and you're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. that's something that." I didn't think it was going to come up again, but it did because mm-hmm. I think I just have such low expectations of comedies, like mainstream comedies now. That's true. And and we didn't even mention uh, Harvey Firestein showed up. That was sweet. Uh, yeah. If, if you want to have sex, it, let me know. It has a really good cast. Yeah, I agree. This is a bit of a non sequitur, but if that restaurant that's where they sing to you exists, I need to know where it is. So, so I we can, can go there it. immediately. no. no. So I can avoid it. That that was really funny. The guy that was like singing right behind them after they're like after they in a fight. fight. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the jokes were just kind of like one off things that I thought were funny, but the uh, they run into Aaron's high school crush, and then the crush mm-hmm. comes out as gay later, mm-hmm. and he makes a TikTok or something, and the <laughs> hashtag is like hashtag like if you like that I'm gay. <laughs> it's good. Because that's when his fiance says, gay guys are my jam. Yeah, that's <laughs> same person. They, they basically, and they meet them yes. coming out of a power of the, a dog, the dog parody. Um, which, you know, I, I think there's something to be said about the fact that no one involved in that movie, in, except, actually, it was the cinematographer. The cinematographer, I think, in that movie was a lesbian. Maybe. But none of the principal sure. actors, the director, it was just mm-hmm. sad cowboy movie mm-hmm. made mostly by straight people. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, a, a great I mean, movie. Though. We liked, yeah, we really <laughs> like Power of the movie. Dog, but that's a fair criticism. And <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny the way that the movie did it. I didn't even, I didn't even clock that. I assumed 
it was a Brokeback Mountain thing. He said like, no, he, gay he cowboys, says but... something about like it's great that Benedict Cumberbatch can like get an award for this or something. Okay, that is funny. Yeah, that's good. Topical. We like topical. Mm-hmm. Okay, I. There are more things to appreciate than I think I gave it credit for. It has like a good heart. Yeah. Oh, it the, is still sweet. The Zellweger, the app. Oh yeah, there's a that's funny. There's a gay hookup app in this movie, uh, where it's called Zellweger, and it's just for gays who want to talk about actresses and cuddle. Yeah, which, I mean, you the, technically that already exists. It's called film gay film Twitter. <laughs> but <laughs> I thought that was really. I, I thought that was funny because it does, it does seem like there is a subset of gay guys who just want to talk about what movies Nicole Kidman yet yeah, should have yeah. won an Oscar for. You're talking about my husband. Yeah, and, you know, the rest of gay film Twitter. <laughs> what, do you think Birth? Birth is good. Yeah. Has she won an Oscar? Yes. Nicole Kidman? What's yeah. she went for? The Hours. Oh, okay. Anything else? I don't think so. I, I'm not like, like, was this the best movie ever? No. No, but was I entertained for an hour and 40 minutes? No. And did I laugh a couple times? And... Did I buy the underlying romance, which I know maybe you didn't buy as much as I did? I I bought it. And I think it, especially coming after the Christmas movies we watched last week, it just, everyone in this movie also felt like an adult. Right. <laughs> like they had adult emotions right. and adult problems. Yep. And I adult felt like sex. these were adult <laughs> sex. I actually, I thought the sex scene between them where they it started off as like wrestling and then they were just sort of play acting out being like broy in bed was kind of funny. <laughs> it was kind of funny, but I also just wanted a good sex scene between them. The only sex they had was played for laughs. Well, but then there, there's that scene later when they're at um, Provincetown and it's not a sex scene, but it's kind of sweet where Aaron asked Bobby to top him. Mm-hmm. Like that was, and they're like lying in bed together. Like that was yeah. kind of, that was sweet. But like. Show that. Show full penetration. I, who knows if this is true, because Billy Eichner has kind of been weird about this movie, but he said that they had more sex scenes, just they had to cut some of them. Mm. So maybe he wanted to do something like that, but to get the movie released, they just had to keep the funny ones. I don't know. Huh. That's too bad. But also not surprising that that's true. No, I guess not. I mean, but White Lotus had ass-eating... And that's, oh, that's not TV, that's HBO. I think, we're, I think we're ready for, like, full penetrative sex to completion in mainstream studio-released gay rom-coms okay. that go into theaters. But this is definitely a step in that direction. I think so. Right? We'll get there someday. So I, I like this movie. I, yeah. I, I like it. I agree. Okay. That's uh, it. Yeah, that's all, that's all I got to say about it. streaming now, so you can just go watch it if you, if you didn't catch it in theaters. Yeah, you can watch it on Peacock. Okay. We are back for another installment of our queer-coded Disney villain mm-hmm. miniseries. And this week we are talking about Jafar from Aladdin. So this marks the first 
male villain that we've talked about in the Disney Renaissance era. And we've sort Mm -hmm. of prefaced this in previous episodes about how the Disney Renaissance male villains are a better balance between being actually scary and being fun and foppish than Mm -hmm. some of the old ones where they were extremely uh, non-threatening, like Prince John or uh, even Hook. This was probably the Disney movie I watched the most when I was younger. Same. There's definitely a home video of me like sitting in front of the TV, singing A Whole New World. Nice. On loop, just like rewinding it, doing it again and again. Nice. Mostly saying Jasmine's part. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love this one. And I I was happy to watch this one again. Yeah. I think think it's my favorite Disney animated film. Cool. Yeah. Uh, And I think Jafar is a, he's a good villain. He's good. He is, he's definitely murderous, evil, but he actually, similar to like Ursula, there's an actual thing that he wants to accomplish. Like he's not just motivated by, again, I said this the last time but like i didn't get invited to a party now i'm mad or yeah. there's someone prettier than me got a killer he wants like power he wants power he knows what he's looking for he's figuring out how to get it he's politically manipulative which i think is really fun that he's like the sultan's most important or most trusted advisor the royal vizier the royal vizier yeah, and he's like funny at the same time. Like yeah, he has he, good. He's got a he's got a bickering odd couple relationship with his parrot. With his parrot, <laughs> Iago. Iago's great. It's like really fun voice acting again because he's got like deep. I love the way your foul little mind works. Yes. It's time for us to say goodbye to Prince Abu. Yeah. <laughs> and then let's see how snake like I can be. And that's scary. That was he's, scary. He's scary as a snake. He's scary as a uh... scary as a genie. Yes. He's scary as that like old man. Oh yeah, he pulls a he pulls an evil queen with that he one. An evil queen. Trend alert. I remember being very scared of that old man when I was younger. Yes, with the teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has like that that giant dagger. Jafar's great. Jafar's great. He's definitely not gay because he seems to actually be attracted to Jasmine. Right, I guess he, she kisses I mean, him, and it throws him off. Yeah, that's balance. true. I, I, I guess I would. You're right about that. I was thinking he sees Jasmine as more of a means to an end, which I think he right. does to some degree. Yeah, because fully. he could better secure his position as new Sultan if yeah. he marries the Sultan's daughter. Yeah, but yeah, you're probably right. He doesn't have a villain song though. No, he just this gets is a, the reprise of. Prince Ali. That's the only thing he sings, right? Yeah. Say goodbye to Prince Ali. It's still good. He's got a good laugh. What's the the actor's name that voiced him? Oh yeah, voiced by Jonathan Freeman. What else has he done? Not much, honestly. Is he more of a voice actor? Mm-hmm. He was in the producers and the Ice Storm. The Ang Lee movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what that's what he like pops up and you may know them from on IMDb. Oh, okay. Yeah, it looks like he's done a lot of voice work or small roles. He has he doesn't have a huge filmography. But yeah, this this also feels like an instance, like I said with um Little Mermaid. Well, I know it's true of Robin Williams, where they like very clearly had some voice acting going on. They animated around that. 
think Robin Williams is the genie, famously. They let him do what he wanted, and then mm-hmm. they animated to figure out what the genie was going to be like based on what he did. Yeah. And he just ad-libbed a lot of those jokes. Yes. Robert Williams really steals the show in this movie. Yeah. He's amazing. His his comedy style works so well mm-hmm. with the type of animation they do with him, where mm-hmm. it's very kind of manic. And yeah. It's, it, it's, re- it's really funny. Like slapstick, lots of non sequiturs. Mm-hmm. Lots of anachronisms. Yeah, but it, it works really well in this movie because I I saw Aladdin on Broadway. Mm-hmm. It was so bad. And I think part of the reason this movie works really well is that Robin Williams is doing his thing and you have up, up to the point, because he doesn't show up until what, like a half hour in or something. Mm-hmm. Gilbert Godfrey is supplying the comedic, performance with iago and so mm-hmm. that's where you're getting your laughs but like and the sultan and the sultan the sultan yeah. yeah the sultan's funny but it, it not every character is like a comedic relief there's a core story and you have funny characters but it's not just the wall-to-wall goofiness and so mm-hmm. there's like something to latch on to with the aladdin and jasmine thing and uh, jafar is genuinely a threat in this movie mm-hmm. and so even though he is fun kind of foppish he uh provides a good amount of conflict and the aladdin on broadway it just made every character the genie because they were like oh people think the genie's funny we should make everyone really funny and it was just wall-to-wall like nonsense and it was such a bad adaptation and i think this movie does a really good job of balancing all of its different tones and characters and not having anything become overwhelming in any of that so agreed and i i do think kind of how we what we've been talking about Jafar works really well both as like a fun villain um because he he's not like jokey but he clearly enjoys accumulating power the way he's accumulating power in the mm-hmm. movie and he like relishes messing with people yes <laughs> and um, he he had, he does have like a dry sarcasm yeah to him and the way he interacts with the sultan or iago and then later with the genie like it works that mm-hmm. he can still be like witty and biting yeah and evil yeah like still yeah he, he's not like super cartoony in his performance he's a little more like calm collected mm-hmm. uh and yeah like you said sort of, like, sort of sardonic yeah and uh, I think it works really well, especially the way he and Iago play off one another. They're I fun. really like because Iago's a little more heightened and crazy. Cave of Wonders. Yeah. Like, I, I, I like the scene. This is just such a minor scene, but the one where they're climbing up the stairs after Iago's been just stuffed with crackers. <laughs> Ribbing the Sultan. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Iago's just kind of freaking out, and Jafar's, Jafar's like, don't worry. Like, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna figure this out. Like I'll stuff him with crackers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this one. Mm-hmm. And I love the music. This was Alan Menken again. Crushing it. Yeah. Did he I don't think he did did he do all the music? I don't know. I don't, I don't think he did all of it because no. he died during production. Not Menken. Or sorry, Ashman. Ashman. I keep I keep, I keep yeah. getting that confused. Menken did all of it. Ashman died and they brought on Tim Rice? Tim Rice. Yeah. Yeah. So when the, when they did the like, music by credit at the beginning, mm-hmm. there's like two pairs of names. Like, Alan Menken's on there twice. But I think uh, 
the the genie you know we always talk about like what are the other gay icons in the movie Mm -hmm. uh robin williams he had a very sort of effeminate way humor like he he wasn't like a yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I yeah. guess I, I, I don't know quite how to articulate this, but it was a very, it wasn't a very like standing still, butch, like I hate my wife sort of humor. It was very like manic and like sort of, I, I don't know, sibilant type of humor almost. Yeah, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it could have been, it could be a little bit homophobic, but at the same time, like, all of the shtick of the genie is that he's like popping in and out of different characters mm-hmm. constantly. So at some point he'll become like a really sibilant like style of a uh, oh, but like I love Taylor. Yeah. It was like I like but it we match we match like that. But that's funny. Yeah. Or like I can't make anybody fall in love. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like it doesn't it, it doesn't does, it doesn't come across as mean. It doesn't cry mean. It's just like a character that he's doing two of the hundred Mm -hmm. because he'll jump from that right into jack nicholson yeah (laughs) no substitution the groucho marx groucho marx yes yep can i call you al or maybe just din or how about laddie he does say uh like al i'm getting fond of you not that i want to pick out curtains or anything (laughs) (laughs) no homo no No homo no homo aladdin but he also like transforms himself into a woman and like gives himself boobs and like shakes them around. Yeah, like, the, the Joan, funny. Joan Rivers and Joan Rivers. Yeah, yeah. he's Bones a do love the feathers. He's a gender fluid icon. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Okay, so he is a queer icon. Yeah, Aladdin was definitely a gay crush that I had. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty standard. I think that's pretty standard. Especially he's just a. It's just a street you know, he's, he's a street rat, and he's like got some issues, but. He has a good heart, and mm-hmm. he, he, you can take care of him. And, but he'll bring you on adventure. Yeah, he's and, a he's a project. Yeah, he's a project. He's a bit of a project. He's a bit of a project. He's sort of like like a lazy, dirty top. <laughs> I buy it. You you go over there, and he's gonna be really cute. But he's got this pet monkey that's just got. But he's fleas. got right, and there's like he hasn't cleaned the litter box. There's like fast food bags all around the the bed. He hasn't vacuumed or dusted. He decorates with just rugs and carpets everywhere. Mm-hmm. I do. I do sort of like that. Like that. that that that'd be nice. That actually, that'd be very comfortable. Iago, gay icon. Yeah, I. I, I Aladdin, I, I'm in the menagerie. <laughs> Aladdin, I'm in the menagerie. Come quick. Why are you looking at big boy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Sultan. Oh, he's, yeah. a little, he's a little gay boy. I'm a gay man. Um, but I don't really have uh, I don't have that much else to say about Jafar. No, he, I, I he, think he really works. Yeah, he's, he's a great. Good, good villain for the movie. He's fun. Like his dynamic with all the different characters. Like mm-hmm. I like I like his dynamic with the genie too. Yeah. <laughs> he plays off all the characters really well. Yeah. And uh, he is also just a giant fop. He is. Yet again, he's got an a, evil fop. Yeah, he's got a evil twirly mustache t- yeah your beard is so twisty yeah yeah that's good he carries a staff that's very gay i mean i don't carry a staff yeah but like i would i love the black and mauve color scheme Great color or like palette. it's like a burgundy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it works it works having a bird on your shoulder it's fun hats uh so 
That's Jafar. Go watch Aladdin if you haven't seen it. It's still really funny. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Not a joke. If you haven't watched it in a while, go watch Aladdin. Yeah. It's still fun. Let's wrap it up. Okay. Okay. Don't leave. Don't cry. You're just another boy caught in the ride. Don't say goodbye. Head full of nothing and I'm wondering why it's all right. Um, okay. That was Bros. The new gay romantic comedy classic. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's got everything. Bros. Uh, Grinder. Foursomes. Foursomes, that's two, right. Two foursomes, actually. Well, one... Foursomes turn three, de facto threesomes. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, a, a triangle is a lot stronger shape than a mm-hmm. square. Than a square. Yeah. yeah, it's going to collapse. And, and it does. Got... Deborah Messing. Got T.S. Madison. It's got Harvey Firestein. It's got Provincetown. It's got Poppers. It was was fun just being like, oh, I've been there. Oh, Uh I've been there. I know that place. That's that's Spirit's Pizza. Oh, so it's got... uh, Pizza. It's got pizza. It's got shirtless men playing in a park. Mm -hmm. It's got uh, uh, foot play. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Mm -hmm. that. It's got Luke McFarlane. He's so cute. Yeah, I think think I'm a Luke McFarlane fan now that Mm -hmm. having watched... uh, It's not Jingle All the Way. Single all the way, <laughs> and bros. I think he's actually a, a, a good actor. I, yeah. in, I and, like him in these. And if you've seen Brothers and Sisters, you may have seen his entire filmography. I didn't watch all of Brothers and Sisters. I couldn't do no. it. It was it was a bad show, no. but I, I tried. Uh, it's got the Hall of Bisexuals. The Hall of Bisexuals. It's got gay trauma. It's got a gay trauma roller coaster. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, Bo- it's got Bo and Yang. It's got a. Uh, okay. Awkward endearing dancing. There's a triple R three right there. Yep, it's got uh, country music. Mm-hmm. It's got uh, commentary on gay white men hosting podcasts. Yeah. <clears throat> drag, drag us, drag us, read us for <laughs> filth. So that's Bros, streaming on Peacock right now. And if you liked our conversation and don't follow us on social media, you should. And even if you didn't like it, please just follow us, because we like the boost. Uh, we're at Twitter and Instagram at Cinema Very Gay, and we have a letterbox at Cinema Very Gay, and uh, we have a new episode every two weeks, mm-hmm. so we will see you soon. That's right. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.